everyone, and welcome to Geek Rant, episode 233, Frequently Asked Questions, recorded April 17th, 2016, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the show where we get our geek on. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroll, and joining me this week, as always, except last week when we weren't here, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the Command Line Godfather, Neves, and Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, everyone out there in Internet land. I hope you had one heck of a week. Yes. Welcome, one and all. We are back. Um, we made it this time. Woohoo! <laughs> so we missed last week. Seth was sick and I was tired, so we were sick and tired. Um, so we just <laughs> didn't do a show. I, I know it's un- it's uncharacteristic of us to miss uh, shows like that. We've missed two in the last month. Um, and so because of that, I just want to, uh, say, uh, that we're committed to, uh, taking at least six weeks off in the summer. So good news there. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but don't worry. We are trying to figure out a way so that you won't be taking the time off from us. Yeah. So I guess that sounds kind of bad when you say it like that. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but first I want to let you know, all of you people, uh, you Patreon subscribers who I promised a laser pen, I still can't freaking mail a pen. I have not, I have, I have mailed three and none of them have gotten anywhere. Um, so wow. apparently I'm going to have to go buy a box and stuff it with styrofoam, uh, p- uh pellets and a pen and pay $16 to overnight it before somebody actually gets a pen. So these $1 pens are going to cost me nine fifty to ship because every cheap things I've tried haven't worked. So I'm still working on it, but. Sorry, you haven't gotten your pen yet. Nobody's gotten a pen yet. They're just lost somewhere in the ether. Yeah, oh. even the co-hosts haven't gotten the pen. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I didn't you know we're are to experiencing get the exact same thing we are. Well, I, I, You're part of the show. I tried to send one to to Seth as, as a test, and it didn't work. I tried to send one to Door, and it didn't work. Then I tried to send one locally, just here in the state of Georgia, and that didn't work. So I, I'm, I'm going to have to just... Uh, Fig- buy a box as far as i can tell the u.s post office won't ship a pen unless it's in a box did anyone else notice how my name never came up in any of that evidently i don't rate a pen so uh well yeah no i was gonna wait until <laughs> the process worked before i sent you one so you were so oh, important oh. that i didn't want to risk it not getting to you that's no the we excuse. knew the horses get tired when they have to go that far <laughs> out in the boondocks we wanted to make sure the process worked because oh, we knew that oh. would be an issue. So okay. related to that, uh, I, I'm not sure I've actually mentioned it on the air, on the bits, on the whatever you say when you record something um, for later distribution. But I'm in the process of purchasing a house. Um, the home I'm living in now, we've been renting for the last four years. As the market here in Georgia is heating up, and I mean super heating up, uh, the landlord rightly and appropriately has decided it's the right time to sell his house. Uh, so he has let me know that he will not be renewing my lease uh, at the end of June. So we first started looking to rent a house uh, again, because I still got a house in Texas. I can't sell anybody in Texas want a house. I can hook you up. Um, but uh, so, but we just decided uh, in the market, the way things are, the fact if, if we rent for another year, interest rates are probably going to go up in that time. And the way prices, housing prices are j- jutting up here, we're going to be paying a lot more. So we're just going to go ahead and buy. And so we started looking and it is crazy. We're seeing houses sell nine hours after they hit the, the market. Um, wow. They're not even making it a day. The house we went to look at um, hit the MLS uh, on Thursday, on Friday. 
we went to take a, a walkthrough of it uh, Saturday, made an offer on it, and there were five other offers in that one day. Wow. Um, so that's insane. Yeah. So they did what they call the highest and best, basically, you know, um, you know, make your best offer. And so we, we resubmitted, uh, our best offer and it was accepted. So we're, we have a contract pending. It's going through now the, well, it's the contract's not pending. The contract is now official. It's in the due diligence phase where we've got to, an inspector coming out and the bank will appraise it and yada, 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 yada. But all of that to say that coming up in a, in a few weeks, I'm going to be moving. Uh, moving all of my studio, moving all that stuff. So we will be taking um, an extended break, but we've we've worked out some ways to to give you a combination of new content and uh, old favorites. Um, I know I hate it when people put old old favorites in their feed. So if you hate it like me, I'm sorry. Uh, just skip over that one. But we're going to take some some extended time off. More details to to be had later. Um, but anyway, what I wanted to let you know that, but also what. The pens that were lost. Also in my life recently, my down payment was lost. Um, and that's a lot what? of money. Okay. So uh, we had some money in a different account. We'd been saving our pennies. And so, all right, we're ready to do this. Uh, this is an account that's several years old. It's been there. We're going to transfer it from uh, Ameriprise. I'm calling you out Ameriprise Financial Services. And we're going to move it over to uh, Bank of America, my current bank. Um and so we did a wire transfer, and Ameriprise said, yep, wire transfer completed. And Bank of America said, nope, we got nothing. And both banks said, sorry, can't help you. What? That's insane. <laughs> so in the meantime, oh, just a little bit of $20,000 is just gone from my life. Much like those pens, it was sent, but never arrived anywhere. Um and how the heck does that work? That's a darn good question. That's what I wanted to know. And everybody, <laughs> you know, the Ameriprise people were saying, oh, you're just going to have to talk to Bank of America. We sent it. And the Bank of America people were getting, were saying, well, that's crazy. We didn't get it. How could we possibly know if uh, where it went if we didn't get it? And and everybody was pointing at everybody, and they kept saying, well, you're going to have to. And finally, I just kind of exploded on a, on a, on a girl. Uh, I don't remember her name. Um, and I said, look, I am the least capable human on the planet to resolve this situation. I don't have <laughs> access to your bank records. I don't have access to the databases you have access to. I know nothing about the world of international banking, and you are dumping this on me to resolve my own problem. And her response was basically, um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> what? Fun. I, I don't, it does not compute. Yeah. I'm going to go into like system crash now because of it. Gee, so, thanks. so we called a guy, I'm going to call him David, uh, name change to protect the ignorant. Um, and David was like the third level guy. My wife, I came home from work. My wife was sobbing on the phone trying to talk with you because the account that, that we were pulling the money out of was an estate account that is her family. I, I don't, I, I can't talk to the people about it. Um, and so she, she would have been on the phone with him for who knows how long she said she'd been transferred to six different people until we arrived at this David, we'll call him. <laughs> and uh, I, I said, put this phone on speaker. And I said, David, in our entire history together, the only thing I've ever asked Ameriprise financial to do is watch my money. And you're now telling me that you couldn't do that. In the words of the internet, you had one job, David, to watch <laughs> my money. And now you're telling me, the customer, that you have no idea where $20,000 of my money went. And you're okay with that? As a representative of Ameriprise, you're fine with telling the customer, hey, we don't know where your money is. 
dead silence on the other side of the phone. Finally, I bet. after about 25 seconds, he said, no, I'm not okay with that. I said, then what are you going to do about it? We've had, we've been blamed for this. We've been complained to about this. We've been handed off about this. When are we going to get some advocacy? When are you going to advocate for your customer and tell me what you personally, David, are going to do to do your job and track my money? That's when something happened. Um, wow. The money has I been found, it that long. but it took me basically shaming the guy on, on record, right? Because all of those calls are recorded. And so I had to make him, I, that's why I used his name repeatedly. I had to make him admit on, on the record right. that he was willing to be a total douchebag. And since he wasn't willing to do that, finally some action happened. Wow. I, I, so I don't did, even know what to say to that. That just blows my mind that they would just throw their hands up and say, oh, tough luck. Thank so you for did you give an explanation of what happened? Yeah, what ended up happening was... Uh, it was a twofold error. Uh, when my wife wrote down the account number of our bank, she uh, transposed some numbers. When the bank okay. rejected that, my bank rejected it, they transposed two separate numbers. So the money couldn't go to my bank because she wrote the wrong, down the wrong number. Our fault. Totally accept that. The bank rejected it, rejected it to a different bank. They had They got the routing number wrong. So <laughs> third bank don't even know who that was, got a rejection of money. They had no idea what it was. And, and the guy said, well, you're going you're to have to contact the Federal Reserve about this. I said, really? I'm going to have to contact the Federal Reserve, a dumb old country guy from Georgia. I'm going to have to contact the Federal Reserve. How come I can go to PayPal and wire money in seconds? But you, Ameriprise no Financial, a multi-billion dollar multinational company, doesn't have a phone number to the to the federal tra- uh, reserve authority really you got nothing wow bob we hit the lottery <laughs> twenty thousand dollars showed up in the bank yes no kidding so in the end what had to happen was we had to wait for like some sort of statute of limitations to to wear out as nobody claimed the money and then it bounced back which is the dumbest thing ever I guarantee if I owed them $20,000, they wouldn't be okay with me saying, you know, just wait four to five days and, uh, and you'll have it. It'll be fine. No, that wouldn't, <laughs> that wouldn't fly there. Yeah. You know, those back when those laws were written in like 237 BC, I can understand <laughs> that it would take a while to figure out, you know, because things were the wire was like, um, I don't know, some spider web line that they would drop water beads down. And so it would take a while for those to collect and see who came and got you them. had to go back but, and check the saddlebags on the donkey and make sure nobody yep. had left it there. Yeah, right. So I could totally understand that. But today, when stuff like that happens, there's just there's no there's no reason for it other other than it's just another way that the big people, the big organizations can keep power over the individual people. Because, you know, this way the bank had that money. Some bank had that money and was just earning interest on it. In interest. While you didn't have it. And granted, well, that's only $20,000. And for one week, that only amounts to 75. But the thing is, you're not the only person who has this problem. Yours is not the only money right. influx. And that turns into serious money that you don't have access to. Yep. And all you get is the hassle and the heartache of finding someone who hasn't totally lost their soul. You know, it, 
they it might have left their body, but they can kill, still kind of see it because it hasn't gone <laughs> out of the basement yet. And so they're like, okay, parting shot. I'll I'll do this one thing for you before I ice over. Um, you know, isn't isn't finance grand? So I was no. mad about the money, but I wasn't worried about the money. I know the way the systems work. It was going to bounce out. I was mad at them for making my wife cry. That's what made me right. mad. You know, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, there's the line, and they crossed it. And and I was polite, but I was firm, and I made him take uh, responsibility. So, listener, that's a trick I have learned over the years. Uh, when somebody's giving you hassle, put it in terms of of are you okay with being a total idiot? Because if you're okay with that, then we can continue this conversation. But otherwise, you need to stop something. And if you got somebody who's not a millennial, most of the time that works. You get a millennial, they'll say, "Oh, yeah, I'm fine with being an idiot." Yeah, um, because they've been taught to say that now. But if you get a Gen Xer, somebody with some gray in their beard, and you you call them out on it and say you are being a douchebag, and you're okay, are you okay with that? Most of the time, they'll say, well, "No, that's not okay. I can't say I'm okay with that." Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess what we need to do is figure out some way to record because you know record our calls so then we can post YouTube videos and get some action. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that would happen either. Though we'd still end up with a problem somewhere. I know, but at least, you know, we'd get that revenge factor and satisfaction. <laughs> so in the end, it all w- worked out and David, uh, David saved the day, but, uh, it took, it took me convincing him that he really did want to save the day. Um, wow. All right. That's a story. So I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take 20 minutes about that, but it, it's, uh, <laughs> it, that's what's going on in my life now. That is the sum total of everything I've done in the last couple of weeks. And, and last week when it was time to record this show, I was so mentally and emotionally drained. And when Seth said he was sick, it was like, oh, good. <laughs> now, I'm good. I'm glad I could help you out there, Mark. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that Seth is puking right now. That just makes my day. So <laughs> feeling better, Seth. I am. I'm. I'm feeling better from uh, in a multitude of ways. Good. Glad good. to hear it. Uh, so good that you're ready to go run 5K again. Um. I mean, I do need to run one this month, and uh, so I've got I've got my eye on one here coming up. But yeah, I'm I'm still on track to do that. But no, four is on the way. I saw my first promo on the Sci-Fi Channel for Sharknado Four, uh-huh. and so oh. I mean. You know, three was the perfect. It was like if the moon was really made out of cheese and crashed into the earth. <laughs> it was such a cheese fest that I'm hoping four carries on. And plus, I hope everybody voted no and that person died. So, um, you know, anyway, Sharknado four is on the way. It's coming out this summer. You know, they're, they're probably finishing up the script today and going to shoot it tomorrow. So, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see it. It's going to rock. Um, as you know, I, I would worry about them going to the well one too many times, but. You they've can't. already jumped the shark. Yeah, that they, <laughs> they have jumped the shark. They have chainsawed the shark. They have slayed the shark. Yeah, um, they've given birth inside a shark, and and with David Hasselhoff <laughs> on the screen. So I don't know how you can out cheese David Hasselhoff commanding the space shuttle, but I mean, they they've raised the bar. They're gonna have to get in that shuttle to fly over the bar. I'm really <laughs> before long. They're to gonna it. have real actors 
there and you're gonna have to not not know no because then that that would take i mean could you imagine trying to seriously act they that might have been the problem with sharknado 2 is they tried to seriously act it um but no you can't <laughs> i still haven't seen sharknado 3 i'm behind on my pop culture i Dude, haven't watched any of them to tell you the, the honest truth other than i watched 15 minutes and went nope <laughs> So sometime pretty soon there'll be a riff track with Sharknado three, and I will go see that. Yeah, so. it's one of those you have to be in the right mood, kind of like Monty Python. If you're not in the right mood, it's the dumbest thing ever. But if it catches you just right, it's brilliance. Yeah, and I mean that's my kind of humor, you know, low brow, easy, <laughs> low hanging fruits. I'm all for that, and I love it. <laughs> Maybe why I'm still single, I don't know. <laughs> on probably a correlation there. on a slightly related note i'm re-listening to just because i ran out of book before i got new credits uh ready player one um enjoying the the reminiscing down uh the 80s the the memory lane of 80s cheese um, <laughs> i still recommend that one if you're into audiobooks at all will wheaton reads it um does it he does a, as fine a job as will wheaton ever does i mean he doesn't he does he's not a voice guy he's just a guy who reads um yep some of the Audible guys do amazing job. Christian Rummel is amazing. You know his character from the first syllable of the sentence. You don't need to get to the end where he says Jenkins said. You know yep. that. You know who it is because he's so good with voices. And there are a few other guys like that. Uh, Stefan Rudnicki is is amazing as this just imperial voice that you, you know God envies. Um, but uh, Will Wheaton is fine. Uh, he's more he's more for who he is than what he does but he does a fine job of reading the book and it's good solid books especially if you're a gen xer uh you'll enjoy it and there's a movie coming out uh, i believe next summer spielberg uh is is working on it so that's very why cool. i decided to re-listen to it very cool i didn't i didn't hear i didn't see that one about ready player one um i feel the same way though about luke daniels um the job he did reading the iron druid chronicles is awesome yeah, I haven't I'm not familiar with that one, but uh it's yeah, he does he does a good job. Oberon forever. I have some of the <laughs> some fantasy stuff. As I've said before, it's not really my cup of tea, but I have some of it in my queue uh to listen to because you know they are maybe the I used to think I didn't like steak because all the only steak I'd ever had was cheap overcooked dollar steak. Um so maybe the reason I don't like fantasy is because I've never been exposed to really good fantasy. I mean Tolkien I love, that's fantasy. I like yep. it, so maybe I just need the right fantasy. That could be. And I'm assuming the Druid Chronicles, just by the name, is fantasy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty high fantasy. The A quick and, a quick idea about it, it's the, lo- the only Druid left in the world, pretty much versus any god in the pantheon of gods. So, like, all the Roman gods, Greek gods, yeah, they all exist. Literally all of them. So it's interesting. I recently one if one to listen to. I recently read a book on a recommendation to listen to. uh, The Minotaur takes a cigarette break, and it's uh, these ancient mythical creatures are still around today. They're all kind of old and tired. And the Minotaur, the giant half man, half bull, is now a short order cook in Mississippi. Um, (laughs) There you go. It's it's not. It sounds funny, but it's not. It's actually they play it perfectly straight, and that's what I like about it actually is is he has these memories of you know uh these guys are picking on him for being goofy looking he's like you know a thousand years ago i would have bitten you in half and eaten your still beating heart but today (laughs) i'm just too tired (laughs) (laughs) but it's still good yeah so it's 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 worth listening to minotaur takes a cigarette break um 
it, uh, it was recommended by Alton Brown of the Food Network for the cooking aspect of it. Uh, and huh. so uh, on his podcast, the, the Alton Brown cast, which sadly has pod faded, um, he recommended it highly multiple times. I listened to it and it was fine. It was fine. You know, that's, that's my review of something that's not bad, but not great. It's fine. Sure. You know? And, um, so anyway, so you have here, Chris, it's amazing what happens when people listen. I, I tried to give you a lead into that, but I got nothing. That's okay. So it, just as a, as a quick thought here, as a thought production, you know, we're, I, w- I don't want to say audio professionals, at least in the fact that we, but we do speak into mics on a regular basis. So we do have somewhat of an idea of what the difference is between being on mic and being off mic sounds like. So this week, uh, my, my, my job, I just had a, we did a whole bunch of big meetings and they have, people have to, that don't do public speaking had to talk on mic. And I had to instruct them for the, probably the hundredth time that there is a difference between being on mic and being off mic. So definitely it's amazing what happens when people listen and actually talk on mic. Yeah, it, so. that's why most podcasts like like this one, the hosts are wearing the big uh, earphones, and and even in places where you've got all the hosts in the same room, they're wearing headphones. It's not so they can hear each other, so they can hear themselves. And it's very important, as you know, to if you're trying to uh, get the best quality sound possible, you need to hear what you sound like. Uh, and yep. the really the really excellent people could probably do it by memory uh i'm not really excellent i need the headphones uh so i'm you know uh constantly uh, the the electronics i have do a good job of of help keep uh, uh of wow of making my brain stroke out in the middle of a sentence of of helping me overcome my shortcomings with the compressor you know it it takes the volumes and and balances them out but still it's very important if you're an aspiring podcaster um headphones and and auditing yourself which is actually kind of difficult a lot of uh gear doesn't allow that or there's a delay if you ever tried to talk while hearing yourself on a uh 500 millisecond delay it's 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 a uh, an IQ test, as far as I'm concerned, that only the brilliant, <laughs> the, the the top of the line, if you can do that, uh, you're too smart for Mensa because uh, it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. But it I've is. I've seen the pros do it and make it make it just seem amazing. If you if you ever watching the news and you see this guy reach up and pull out his ear thing, that's he's getting feedback or something like that that's distracting him. But the amazing thing is they don't they don't break stride at all. They just reach up yep. and take the the ear mic uh, earpiece out so that they can think. Yeah, because it's probably getting to the point where it's giving them headaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, it's just, yeah, it's amazing the difference uh, for someone who knows how to public speak and talk on a mic versus someone who only does it once a year. Yeah, it's it just, it's amazing. All right, 20 minutes of mindless blather. I think check that off the list. Uh, we've got that component of the show covered. Uh, so now we. I just want to have, have an announcement from Oriole. I'm going, I'm saying that's out of O-R-I-O-L. I'm going with Oriole. Uh, he said he wants to know us about the full stack fast. He says, hello, my name is Oriole, and I'm contacting you to let you know that the call for presenters for full stack fast 2016 is open until May 14 with 16 speaker slots. Full stack fast will be held in Barcelona. I assume that means wow. Spain, uh, September 5th through 9th, 2016. We'd love it if you could help us spread the word to attract a diverse group of potential speakers to join us on stage and inspire te- their technology peers. No no excuses, accommodation, and traveling ex- expenses are on us. 
So if you're interested in, in traveling to Barcelona, Sp- Spain and speaking, uh, the call for pre- presenters is uh, open until May 14th with the, uh, the actual conference being September 5th through the 9th. So, you know, we should do um, a proposal of a live geek grant show talking about full stack fest. And because if they're going to give us traveling expenses and accommodations, I'm all for a trip to Barcelona. And this is plenty of time to get our passports and visa documents ready. It's so sad that most Americans don't even have passports. And I I am one of them. I've never had, I've never left the country. Then again, I I lived in a state that was bigger than about five European countries combined. So um, people uh, uh, complain that we've never left the country, but why would we have to? Everything's here. Right. And everybody wants to come here. Now, uh, yeah, mine's expired and it expired last millennium sometime. But uh, I would like, you know, like I say, we should do that. What, what are they going to say? No. All right, Seth, Probably. you write it up. And if, if, if we're accepted, I'll I'll make it happen. I'll go. Well, you See? want me to do work? Well, yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about Full Stack Fest. I would have to have to look it up. I, I assume. Okay. So that's what we do about every other topic we talk about. <laughs> that's a good point. We just punt anyway, so um it's we've never said claim to be experts. We're just guys who aren't afraid to be ignorant on microphone. Pretty much. Right. So as I said earlier, this uh episode is called Frequently Asked Questions, and it's just that. Things I get in my email on a regular basis. None of these are specific. They're they're all small things that not really enough to to have a full show about, or maybe things we've already done a full show about, but it was, you know, four years ago. So these are in no particular order and and in no particular uh importance. If you sent me an email about this and you're expecting me to say your name, um Sorry, because nope. you're just one of several. <laughs> so we're going to talk about just a few things here, and uh, I'm going to go down the list, and we may not get to all of them. This may, may end up being three or four shows. We may get to them all in one. I don't know. Uh, but again, these are just some things, and um, at, at the end of it, if you if we skip something, then you can go back. So the categories I have are media servers, media centers in general, backup okay. services, firewalls and content filters, PC slash laptop setup, uh, phones and tablets, your home server, your home network. And the thing I get often uh, asked about is my coffee situation. Where am I on that? So um, these are things that we'll cover in maybe not in that order, but we'll start now with uh, media servers. Uh, and sure. one of the questions that we awesome get, often get is sort of a two, uh, two-fold question. What do you use and what do you recommend? Uh, so, Seth, we'll start with you because you are the foremost expert on media servers. <laughs> Um, I use Roku to stream Netflix and Amazon. So, and um, I have DVDs I've purchased within the last several years I've not watched, but um, I do have a laptop for whenever I want to actually watch a DVD. Yeah, and so, so that's I, the, I, I, mean, I was kind of picking on Seth there, calling him the expert. Really, I think he probably represents the masses, uh, not the geeks, but the people. For a lot of people, the Roku is good enough, and it yeah. does. Almost everything you need. It's not good at local media, but I, I, I being a, a uh, owner of multi, lots and lots of local media, am definitely in the minority. Most people don't have have any, or what they have is on VHS tap, tapes in the basement somewhere. So, uh, you know, I was kind of poking fun at you, but really, that's a good place to start. The Roku. Yep, the Roku is a great device as long as you don't have one that, uh, like m- two of mine in my house currently, uh, works for an hour and then locks up. Well, that's what happens when you run them nonstop for 50 hours at a time. Uh, yeah, I know. 
Uh, it, you know, that's, but that's only once a week. Come on. It shouldn't have that big of a problem. It's completely di- dead idle for the rest of the time. So are those in a place where they can uh, get airflow? Is heat pl- oh, yes. pl- the problem? Okay. Oh, no. The heat should not be a problem. They're wide open in the yeah. sitting on, they're not even anywhere near the TV, not in an enclosure of any form. They're just sitting out. Okay, so because that's a thing, almost all of these are running uh, an ARM processor, yep. uh, and most of them are fanless, uh, and you know heat is an issue. I know, for example, uh, different topic. My uh, Dish Network DVR that they gave me um, can't exist in an enclosure at all. It overheats, so I actually went and bought one of those USB uh, powered laptop cooler fans and set it on top of it blowing air into it so that i could put it on a k in in an enclosure uh so uh, often uh, people design these things without actually thinking about where they're going to be and, and it's well maybe that's not fair to say without thinking about it they're thinking about how can we design this uh, system on a chip for 50 bucks and sell it for 50 dollars and make profit and you know whether or not you can put it in a case is not really uh top on their thing there and, and most people don't want fans anyway See, I've actually thought about taking the uh, the Roku's out, popping the the pe- popping them apart, and setting up uh, vent holes, thinking that that might help. But uh, I haven't done that yet, just because I'm not sure if that will even give me any form of help. Do either of you have a Roku stick? No, I do not. Not I. Okay, so you both went with the the flat out Roku devices. Yep. Uh, that I too, I have the Model One Roku. I don't even have the latest generation, um, and it, I, I hear lots of complaints about sluggish interface or whatever. I, I don't really see that. It's it's good. It's good enough. Maybe I only know, uh, don't know because I haven't seen the newest one. Maybe if I saw the newest one, I would be so uh, uh, amazed at it, I would instantly hate what I've got, which is why I don't want to see the new one because <laughs> then I'd have to buy something. Yeah. Oh, I have the four, and um, occasionally whenever I'm arrowing through, the arrow will get stuck. Like if I'm going left, 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 all of a sudden it takes off and and then I have to like click right a few times to unlock it and huh. uh, and get back to where I was. Interesting. I have not seen that. Mine just actually locks up where it, if you're watching something, it'll freeze or you just kind of stop. And do you both use the factory remotes for your Roku's? No. I do. So what uh, uh, what remote do you use, Chris? Uh, I was using. Uh, I have the obviously the standard Roku remote, the Roku app remote on all of my phones and tablets in the house. Uh, on my HTC, I have an IR blaster on that phone that has, um, I think it's Anymote, the app that would uh, customize button configurations for all of the devices in each room. So I was using that heavily. Uh, but the new phone does not have an IR blaster, so now I'm back to just the Roku remote, although the app and the and the physical device. And I've never used the app. I never, I never had any need for it. Um, I I use I have I've mentioned it before a Harmony uh, Universal remote right. because the Roku is simply one device in my uh, thing. Seth, you you uh, you watch television just like over over the air or cable? I said like okay. And is that roughly Roku versus satellite percentage wise? Um, you know, I mean, I've had my Roku since like I, it was my Christmas present to me. Um, and it, 
and it's only been about the last month or so I've really started more. I, I flip through the satellite first uh, to see if there's something I want to watch. And had, the more time I spend on Roku, the less I find I want to watch anything on satellite because I don't pay for the um, the premium packages. So then I end up going and, um, you know, I'm more, the last week or so it's been probably 75, 80 percent Roku. Uh, and See, the reason I, I uh, the reason I I'll let you go in a minute, Chris. The reason I ask is that depend that says a lot about which remote you want to use. So you've only got two devices, and you're okay with picking up one and putting down the other. But when one dominates, um, and you only use it once in a while, it's fine to use the the built in the standard remotes for both. Right. All right, Chris. You were saying. I was going to say I don't have any other service other than the Roku. Um, I don't have a cable box. I don't have. Uh, any form of cable in my house, it's all streaming. So, um, we, ab- we take, we abuse our Roku's in, in my household. So that might be part of the reason why they freeze up. Yeah. The Roku can do, uh, Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, all the, they have apps forever. The CBS, Fox, those people yep. all have apps. So like, uh, we missed, uh, for example, an episode of Agents of Shield, um, and our DVR didn't record it for whatever reason. So we just switched over to the, the Roku and fired up the CBS app. I had to sign in with my Dish Network credentials, which is fine. You know, I already have that uh-huh. anyway. If you're a cord cutter, you have to wait like another week uh, yep. to, to do that, which, you know, that's the and price you, you have, pay. And you have to cutter. pay for that. You have to pay for the CBS app. Um, not to see the older stuff, to see the new stuff you do. Uh, it, well, it it depends on yeah. which shows. Okay. Some of them are on the free, and they usually only have a limited number of episodes. Yep. Um, but then to unlock the full thing, you have to. And I'm like, I'm not going to pay. I mean, you know, I don't understand. It seems like every company wants to do this. They want an additional charge so they get all your stuff. They just need to lease it to Netflix. They would get a lot more viewership, right. I think, and probably more money. And my problem with that is the same problem I have with Hulu is that you pay for it and you see ads. And that's not okay. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you, Mark. That's that's my biggest pet peeve, uh, which is why I also opted to spend the extra two dollars a month to have Hulu ad free. So, because I yeah we we burned through so much data. Um, currently, my if if everyone it, those have been listening for a little bit know that I have a metered connection. Uh, current count is seven hundred gigs a month of consumption. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my household is a very much a data-heavy household. If you have kids, the thing that they probably most watch is YouTube. Uh, yep. And it's not Netflix. or And, and Roku handles that fine, too. Uh, you can have uh, – we, we just have a single – we log in with my YouTube account. But there's no reason you couldn't switch. Uh, I, I, I think on the newer ones, Chris, you'll have to tell me if I'm wrong. On the old one, you can just have one account. But I think on the new yes. ones, you can switch between uh, uh, Google Play accounts. So, you know, your son's Minecraft uh, stuff doesn't get, you know, interfering with your whatever you watch uh, stuff. So it – actually. It, what I've done personally for my area um, is all the Roku's are not logged into an account unless they want okay. to log in. So then, uh, because uh, the way we I, personally, I use the YouTube app on the the Roku's is you can mirror cast your Android phone through it, and then you get your playlists right. that don't. And then when you let go of it, the Roku goes back to the default whatever 
you know, it's generic login or whatever it's using for YouTube. So then my stuff doesn't get polluted with the kids' stuff. (laughs) Casting is another uh, great thing that you can do with with most of these devices. Uh, But again, the only thing I can explain is everything is castable, though. Yeah, not everything is. YouTube is, uh, and that is the best way to You build your queue on your laptop or on your phone, and you cast it to the Roku. But uh, pretty much only works with YouTube and a couple of other sites. It's It's not universal yet, and they don't want it to be. Right. And what's an interesting thought for everybody who has a Roku and you have friends over, if you're all watching, you know, going to be talking about videos or how we started it with music videos one night where if everybody connects their phone to the YouTube, to the YouTube app on the Roku, you can do like a party list. So everyone can be adding stuff to the playlist. That's cool. So we had six people in my house one night going, hey, remember this song? And then they'd pop it into the queue. And it shows who put it into the queue when it plays. That's cool. I don't think I can do that with my Gen 1. With that. That's neat. I, I don't have any friends, so that's not really a, a big <laughs> issue for me. But like uh, if you're trying to do stuff with the kids, you could even right. have the kids do it from the tablet. They could pop things in and, and you could be, all right, now we're going to listen to this song or... <laughs> We're going to watch this funny video of of cats. That yeah, type so, of thing. Uh, other than the Roku, there's the Amazon uh, Fire TV. Uh, yep. I don't I don't get that one because it's it's just Amazon. It's everything Roku. <laughs> it's uh, the Roku can do everything Amazon can do. The Amazon Stick can't do anything close to everything the Roku can do. So I don't get it. Uh, yeah. But there are people who like it. Um, there's the Chromecast, which I, I is even more limited. There's a very small set of set, set of things that you can cast to it. Almost all of those things, if not all of them, you can cast to uh, Roku. So again, for twenty dollars more instead of thirty nine dollars for the or whatever it is uh, for the Chromecast, for fifty dollars you can get the the lowest end Roku and do all of that plus. So local media aside, Roku is the winner in in what you want to do for you know for streaming media. Uh, Chris, spousal approval on the Roku kit approval? Did you have any issues with that at all? Nope. Absolutely zero. It was pretty much, oh, this is how we do things now. Okay. Click, 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 and away they went. Yeah. The seven-year-old has no trouble with the interface. Uh, My seven-year-old. Yours is six, right? (laughs) Mine's seven. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So it's, you know, it's just, it's just not a thing. Um, yeah, it's tablet. It's tabletized, so you can look through it and be like, "Oh, that's YouTube." Click, and away you go. Um, I've even had kids younger pick up the Roku remote and knew how to use it. Yeah, so Seth can't speak to that. Uh, Seth, have you had? Has your mom or dad tried the Roku? No, it's in my room. Okay. So. All right. So moving away from that, if you want local media, none of those are going to work, uh, and you're going to have to do some sort of. Uh, media center system you know yep. going the oldest the most venerable and still really solid is the old microsoft media center um that came around in the xp days that's how old it is maybe even pre-xp it might have been 2000 no um, it was xp was the first yeah. one yep. um and it's a, been abandoned by microsoft but it's still out there and you can still find it and it's solid and it works it takes a real workhorse to do it though uh, what most people do now is do again an ARM processor. Uh, if you want to, uh, if you just want, if you're not a, uh, a make it yourself guy, um, go to, go to Amazon, go to anywhere and just buy an Android TV box. You can pick one up for 50 bucks or less. Yep. Um, 
and it can that's what we have in the second in the bedroom upstairs uh so the roku is is downstairs uh upstairs we have the uh the android box that can handle uh you can plug in a usb uh drive and do local media it can grab uh media over the network uh from your media server uh, i use plex as my media server uh yep. on the desktop pc it, it handles that and it can be on the server without using the plex app that's cool using the dlna um so it's a fine thing that I spent uh, 30, I think, or less on mine. Um, it's got the YouTube app. It's got the the Netflix app. Um, it, you can't do Amazon because Amazon intentionally cripples that Amazon app will not run on Android yep. devices. Um, they just don't. Uh, so that's you, you got to give that up. Uh, and then if you want to do full, full DIY, uh, just buy yourself a $20 Raspberry Pi and and put on xbmc or raspbian or uh, osmc is the one that i'm personally using just google media center raspberry pi and you'll find lots of them out there and that it's a really low powered processor it can't do much but you don't need to do much it's got the the mpeg4 encoding built right in so it can handle full 1080p um video with 5.1 surround uh, actually it struggles on the, I have a surround sound decoder, so I, I let it pass that through. If you try to software decode it, the Pi really isn't up to that to do 5.1. So my setup, my main setup in the living room is the Roku for streaming, uh, whatever we want to stream, the, uh, Raspberry Pi device for local media, um, uh, the Plex server for remote uh, media. So on phones and tablets, when we're out anywhere, uh, we can do that, have the same access to the same library. Uh, it's all, uh, you know, on a, on a, uh, an HDTV with a, a 5.1 surround sound, uh, stereo system that handles all the encoding, all of those things plug straight into that. And then Harmony one, uh, uh, remote that, that makes all of that easy to use. So it's a touchscreen remote, you tap, watch TV, it sets the TV to the right input, it sets the stereo to the right input, it uh, deci- deciphers the thing, so if you hit the fast-forward button, it knows that should go to the Pi and and not to anywhere else. If you hit the volume up, that goes to the amp and not to anywhere else. Uh, so it, it does all of that for you. I, I paid a premium for that, and that is an experience that most people, it's a full media room experience, an experience yep. that most people don't want to pay for. Um but but I do, uh, and and I've done it. You know, budget as much as possible. The Pi is is dirt cheap. Um, the Plex is dirt cheap. Uh, so I've spent my money on hardware and saved it on software. But you don't have to do that. You could just hook up an old laptop, and and run an instance of XBMC on that, uh, and use a keyboard and mouse. Um, if you don't want that full one button, this is my Wanda power is what I call my remote. Uh, if you don't want that, (laughs) there are budget ways to do it. Uh, using an old cell phone as a remote works really well. Uh, uh, you know, VNC, uh, on, on the Android thing, you could actually have the full interface on your, on your, uh, tablet you can go pick up a $50 or or $99 uh, or go get a, 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 Android Fire, a Kindle Fire tablet, um, for they're selling those for fifty bucks right now, and use that as a remote. That's less than it's way less than I paid for my Harmony remote, um, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have the smarts. So sure. I I paid a premium on Easy uh, in my case. So I have the full surround sound theater experience. Most people don't want that. Chris, do you have a surround sound experience, or do you just have speakers? Um, actually, all the only thing we have right now, um, after the move and everything. We've upstairs, we are waiting till we remodel 
to do anything to the upstairs room. Uh, so the, the, we, we had a sound bar with sub that was on in the old place that we moved downstairs. Uh, but eventually when it's all said and done, we will have a full surround sound and everything else. Uh, but right now my main, in my living room, the, you know, the heavy use TV, we have, uh, it's just a standard plasma TV with the Roku on one of the HDMI inputs, a, a Chromecast in the other, and then my PlayStation 4 in the, th- in the third. Um, and between those three devices, it just talk, tog- we toggle between them on the inputs on the remote, and that's it. Uh, and I know you poo poo on the Chromecast, but personally, if I, if it's me controlling what's going on the TV, I'll choose the Chromecast over the Roku every day of the week. Except uh, I, the thing about the Chromecast is you have to have some other device to send to it. It is yes. not a device. It's a helper device. Well, it, it's a it's a display, technically. You know, when you're Chromecasting from your Android phone or the Apple phone, it the phone becomes the remote, not yeah. the, the device. So, it, yeah, I think of the Chromecast has a wireless cable. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah, and and honestly, for some things, for for a, well, the Chromecast will actually go out and do like if you say go to uh, I'm on YouTube and I say Chromecast this to the TV, my phone doesn't do the data stream, right. the Chromecast does. All the Chrome, all my 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 phone is is the the remote, so it actually does all the talking, but the Chromecast does all the heavy lifting. So, but yeah, personally, I would rather be through the Chromecast any day of the week. It it has, you know, after a marathon day, uh, it's never plugged up. It's never froze. It's just kept on trucking right along. It never had a problem. But we all it's th- useful for is YouTube. Well, no, because I could do my CBS app through it. I could do okay. Netflix through it. I could do Hulu through it. The only thing that you have to... That we could not stream through the the Chromecast is the NFL Sunday Ticket and Amazon. Those are the only two things that we cannot Chromecast. So, using the Netflix app on your phone, you can Chrome you can send that data to the Chromecast. Yes, you have to have a Netflix app on the Chromecast. No, well, it's on the Netflix app on your phone. It has the Chromecast icon, and that it connects to it the way it goes. Gotcha. Okay. And then um, this is kind of a weird use for a Chromecast, but I use it for off and on quite a bit where we uh, I'll be sitting uh, in my easy chair with a laptop editing photos and, you know, we'll have people that are say, hey, well, what are you working on? And I'll just say, well, here, look, and I'll Chromecast the desktop to the TV and then they can see the photo that I'm editing, which, you know, is kind of cool. Yeah, it's a it's a one trick pony, but it's a nice trick. Um, what, what I would question is, uh, could you hand your Chromecast slash phone combination to my 73 year old mom? Um, she has no trouble with my setup. Um, and so I pay, pay to pay to premium for that. It's true. Yeah. You know, that depends. I mean, my mom comes over and she pulls her phone out and she cooks up to the, you know, oh, are you guys watching anything? No. Go. Okay. Click, click. She grabs her phone, attaches her Netflix or logs into the Chromecast and the way she goes. Okay. So, you know, you know, everyone's use is different. I mean, it, it, if you were to just drop into my place, you'd probably have a couple of minutes of reoriented to figure out how it works, but you'd be there. Uh, the other thing that's kind of cool about the Chromecast is you don't actually have to give somebody the Wi-Fi password to use it. So, like on your Chromecast, the little symbol, you could click the symbol, 
and then it'll if you're not on the Wi-Fi, you could it'll give you a, a four-digit code that the Chromecast has displayed, and then you could just type in that code through the Chromecast app, and it will then connect peer to peer to it. Cool. So it's kind of a neat, you know. You're you're right. It is a limited trick pony, but the tricks that they have are still pretty dang cool. All right. I, I didn't know we'd spend 20 minutes on that. Um, <laughs> but it's great. Uh, the, the media that, that I have that, you know, I've, I'm talking about my local media. Um, I, um, and, and people aren't going to believe me when I say this, but it's true. I go out and buy every DVD I want. I have currently almost 400 of them. Uh, and I know that because I'm packing them to move. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I buy the media, I run them through uh, handbrake and rip them, and it's it's extra effort, and it's not for everyone, absolutely, uh, but it's the way I do it because now I own the content, yep. uh, and I don't count on Netflix's agreement to to leave it. I can always watch um, All Dogs Go to Heaven every time, and if you have kids, you know that their movie is their movie, and you better darn well be able to produce their movie at at any moment. Flawlessly. And, yeah, and you can't say, well, I'm sorry, honey, that, that agreement went away and Netflix doesn't have that anymore. A, a three-year-old will not accept that. Uh, yep. There will be temper tantrums and pouting and brokenheartedness. Um, and I've, I've mentioned it on the show many times before. The reason I, I started that is when I had my first kid, she was about 18 months old, and in a brief moment of, of lack of supervision, she ruined four DVDs. Um, yep. and, and I was like, well, this is never going to happen again. So mm-hmm. that's that's why I do it. I have a huge investment in my media library that I own. It's mine. I know yep. you can do that. Uh, for example, uh, recently when uh, uh, Force Awakens came out, I bought it on uh, Google Play. I had some Google Play pr- credits already. Um, so that was, uh, you know, instead of $14, it cost me $3 because I had uh, $11 worth of credit, something like that. Uh, and I didn't, I wanted to watch it instantly. It had just come out. I didn't want to get it up and drive up to the local Walmart and buy the disc and then spend the 45 to 50 minutes it would take to rip it. Uh, so I, I, I did that instantly. I will also buy that disc uh, because I, I, I'm not comfortable with always depending on Google to be there anytime yep. I want to watch that movie. Uh, so I do, I do buy things to stream. My, currently my Google play is like four movies. Uh, it's, and my, my, uh, media library is almost 400. So 1% of my media, uh, you can purchase, uh, is, is on, uh, Google play. All of those that are on Google play with the exception of force awakens are also in my library of ripped movies. Hmm. Uh, sure. Again, I'm admitting to being a felon right here on, on the airwaves on the, bits uh because breaking that encryption is uh, is illegal and i'm doing that uh having a, a legal backup having a backup copy is not illegal obtaining it is so right that's that's the deal i make if you're if you're a total um not going to break the laws of man um you can't do the method that i'm doing you have to buy everything and use a roku or something right. like it, it. And, you know, I'm in the same boat as you, Mark. Uh, I just looked at my la- library to see how many movies I have. Uh, cause I do the same thing that we buy it. I rip it. The movie goes into a, uh, environment say or environment protected tote downstairs. And then I don't touch it again. Um, I'm sitting at around 500 in some movies. Uh, cause I've ripped everything I own. And 
you know, I, my kids don't even want to put a disc in anymore. They're like, can you rip this, Dad? I don't want to do this. Because both of my kids have ruined a DVD, and it was their favorite disc movie ever. So once they figured out that, that I could do that, then they were all over it. And plus, uh, the, the 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 DVD experience is miserable. You got to sit through three FBI warnings and fast forward through if they'll let you. Some of them won't. The previews, then get to the menu, and then select what you want. Uh, by that time, on my uh, media center, I'm already ten minutes into the movie. Yep. Because uh, sometimes we get something right away, and I, I haven't had time to rip it. We, I, I pick it up, and I want to watch it right now. Um, and so uh, we put it in, and it reminds me every time. Oh, this is why I rip everything because this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing what that is like. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's so that the the legal uh, the person following the law has a far worse experience than the person doing it illegally. Because um, if you're using some torrent site, particularly the ones that can stream fra- straight from your browser, the experience is type search term, hit enter, click, watch movie. Yep. Uh, as opposed to uh, purchase DVD. Uh, spend 20 minutes fighting with the cellophane, take it out, uh, walk across the room to the DVD player, uh, push the tray in, sit through uh, FBI warning, sit through FBI warning in, Fran- in French, sit through FBI <laughs> warning in Spanish, uh, watch previews of coming attractions, then watch movie. Uh, so it's the, the, the industry has created a situation where the, they're punishing the law-abiding citizen. Yeah, and that's horrible. I mean, it's a ridiculous thing. Okay. Clearly, we're not going to get through this whole list in this show. Yeah. Great. No. One one thing um, y'all have been talking about, and make sure you do this, if you're going to do the method they outline where you buy the disc, make sure you have somewhere documented the list of movies that you own in case something happens to them, you know, fire, damage, lost, or stolen for yep. insurance purposes. Because if you have a homeowner's policy, you know, replacing 500 DVDs is either going to take forever off of eBay or a large chunk of change to replace those. So or both. If you, yeah, if you've paid for them, you might as well, and you're already paying the insurance premiums, you might as well have documented, I own these set of DVDs. That's a good idea. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, and it would I, be. I wonder if it, I can export a li- title list out of Plex. Trivial. It would be trivial to to write a bash script that once a week uh, writes the contents of the directory out to a file on your Dropbox. Yeah. And uh, that should be good enough proof for the insurance company. Talk it over with your insurance agent. Yeah, I'm I'm not licensed to sell or modify insurance <laughs> coverage in any state in the union. Uh, but that's, that's a great a idea. Awesome. Seth. That's an awesome thing there, Seth. I would have never thought of it, and I'm going to find a way to do it tonight, probably. And, you know, be sure and list the contents of your media setup. Is it a Roku? Is it a, because, you know, things like that, you're not going to think about whenever you, if your house burns down, you're not going to think about, I had, you know, $700 worth of cables to set up my media center just the way I like it. And then, you know, come back six months later and say, I know you paid off the policy, but I forgot that this was included versus here's the contents of my house, you know, replace it. Yeah. Okay. Anything else about uh, home theater before we move on? Uh, I want to talk about Plex a little bit since they were oh, okay. such a great guest with us uh, not too long ago. Um, and actually, uh, I think that'll be probably one of the ones that I'll throw up as a flag for favorites. 
But uh, can you text me when y'all are done with this Plex conversation? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 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 Plex guys uh, are really active with their community. So if if you have any issues or questions, be sure to go to their site. They will help you in probably a, a couple of minutes, if not a couple hours. When I had a couple of issues and I wanted to get some cover art for a web show that I was capturing, uh, they were like, yeah, here, this is how you do it. How you, to do your own capture for like the cover page and everything. So definitely the, the, their, their place is the place to go when it comes to getting questions answered for Plex. When I, when I ran into that situation, I screen captured what I wanted, uh, off of a for sale, like a, a sale listing of the DVD. And then made an IMDb entry of it and uploaded the cover, cover art. And then the next time I scanned my library, it checked IMDb and there was. So I not only did it for me, I did it for everybody. <laughs> ha, awesome. Uh, so everybody else, if you have, uh, Veggie Tales, um, uh, the, the Easter one, I forget what it is, uh, the something bunny. If you have that one and you got cover art, that's me. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Plex is great. Uh, just to, to recap, I don't like Plex as the front end experience. I just don't like it. Other really? people do. Um, I don't like the fact that it's one long row of, of, of icons. Now on the web side, if you pull up the, the web page, it's great, but there are no mobile, there are no other devices that give you that same interface. Um, at least, you know, it's, it's not on Roku. It's not on, not even on, uh, Android, Android comes close ish. You have to take a few more steps to get to it. So uh, that's, that's uh, annoying to me. Uh, I don't use it for that purpose. I use Plex uh, primarily and uh, really exclusively as a distributing server device. So huh. actually the way I have it set up, um, it's convoluted. Don't judge me. Um, my <laughs> primary server is actually the Raspberry Pi with with two large uh, USB drives plugged into it. It then serves out via Samba to my uh, Plex server on the Windows box um, and also via DNLA up to the the Samba, the, uh, the Raspberry Pi upstairs or the Android device upstairs. Uh. Um, and so it's the primary server. And so when I am out, uh, and I want to watch a movie on my phone over my 4G connection, it reaches out to my Plex server, which does all the transcoding over Samba to the Raspberry Pi. So the Raspberry Pi is actually the workhorse in that scenario, and it works beautifully. Um, so there you go. That's the, I really should do it the other way around. I should put everything on the Windows box and serve it out to my Raspberry Pi. But my Windows box, uh, I bought it in 2006. Um, and so I don't expect it to last very long and that's uh, why I haven't done that. Yeah. See, I have mine running on a, a, a my, my gaming rig you know, on a couple of extra drives that are just sitting in it. There's almost, there's so little overhead for right. me to be hosting it on this gaming machine that I could be gaming and the kids could be pulling videos from it. And I don't even know what's happening until after I'm done and I walk out of my room and go, Oh, you guys are watching movies off of Plex. I mean, it's it was such a small overhead that I didn't even feel it. I lost maybe a frame. Yeah. Okay, so while we're on that topic, I'm, I'm going to skip straight to uh, PC, since we sort of stumbled into that. Okay. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about um, the question that I, that I often get. And my, the answer to that for me has changed dramatically over the last few years, is if you were going to buy a new PC today, 
Uh, and I'm going to need to very soon when that uh, 10-year-old box decides it's time to die. Um, what would you buy? Uh, and okay. So before I answer that, uh, Seth, uh, we're going to go uh, with you first. Uh, we started with you last time. Um, what what would you do if you needed to start with a machine today? Uh, I'm going to pose the question two ways. Uh, budget version and, and budget's not an issue version. Start with the fun one. Budget's not an issue. I would get the latest, greatest Surface with the tricked-out tablet, biggest um, SSD, most RAM maxed out. Because I love that tablet form factor that if I want to use it as a PC, I can. Because, I mean, and honestly, a lot of that is because, you know, like I do this, most of this is on the cloud. I need something to access the cloud. I don't edit pictures or DVDs or anything like that to where I need a lot of stuff locally. But I love that form factor. And um, I've never had a Surface, but I want like the Surface Pro, not that home version, crippled wear version. But, you know, that's what I would get if money were no object. So you do not want a desktop PC at all. You know, (laughs) I want to say I want a desktop PC and I have grandiose dreams of making a a media center and ripping my stuff and all that. But honestly, if I haven't done it in five years, I don't need a desktop. Okay. And you can use the Surface as a desktop because, you know, it's i7. You can get. Well, it's a laptop. So it's it's not a desktop. Yeah, but you can use it as a desktop replacement. Okay. So So that budget is not an issue. You would not buy a desktop. You would do a desktop replacement device. Yes. Okay. Chris? Interesting. Uh, Wait, Uh, wait. Uh, Let's go budget version. Budget uh, what version. you can afford today, Seth, uh, we'll, we'll go back to you. What you can afford today, you need to buy a new PC. What would you buy? Do, I mean, I, I would probably buy, um, as long as if I already have a laptop or a tablet, then I would buy a desktop because, you know, I can do a couple hundred dollars and then I can upgrade the RAM later. I can upgrade the hard drive later. I can, I can make that PC grow with me. Whereas a Surface, I'm never going to upgrade that. Excellent so, point. PCs are, are dollar yeah. for dollar. They're your best value still today. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Because so you pay if, for portability. Right. So, yeah, if if budget is an issue, then I'm going desktop as long as I at least have a laptop or something that I can take with me as well. Okay. So, Chris, same question. Price is not an object. You can spend all of my money you want. What would you what would you do? Oh, it would be so wonderful. Uh probably I would build it. And I'm not gonna go into specs because that's just silly because who knows what the specs would be when I go to actually pull the trigger on a on a purchase. Wait, but wait, it definitely we're, be, we're talking about a desktop? Yeah, oh yes. Definitely okay. desktop. Um it would probably be in a case like what I have already. I'd probably even almost reuse this case. Uh but it is a giant PC case, water cooled uh thousand plus power supply whatever the best pc ch- you know chips that i could get for video card probably a dual t- or triple video card uh just a behemoth okay and now second question what you could shuck out today without saving without saving uh what am i using it for that's my question well you tell me if all right, if it's going to be something that I'm going to use every day, it'll probably be a Chromebook. 
Okay. My my everyday driver would be a Chromebook if I were to go buy something right now. For a Chromebook assumes you've already got a desktop. Let's say you don't have a computer at all. Well, there again, 99% of my stuff that I do anymore, if I'm not gaming, I'm in the cloud. I'm running okay. on Google Drive. I'm running on, you know, I don't have anything local anymore. Even my pictures go to Google before I edit them. So for as far as that goes, uh, I would still probably end up with a Chromebook. Uh, probably I'd throw it as, as probably as big of a Chromebook as I could buy at the time. Um, I got my son, uh, one, for Christmas and I put, I, I touched it for, you know, the couple of days to get it set up for him. And the experience is amazing. I was really surprised with how good the experience was. All right. So, uh, yeah. And I, I sort of should have set the parameters. You don't have any other computers. I should have said that like your house burned down. You're starting over. Oh, starting um, over. Okay. Um, but so I, I think I get the idea of, of what you, what you want. So me, uh, Money was no object. I could get whatever I wanted. Um, I, I would go laptop. Uh, I would not go desktop. I I don't. I think the days of desktops um, are over, for the most part. We have a yeah. desktop uh, in our uh, house, but only because it's old and because we already had it. Uh, we have a couple of dirt cheap two hundred ish dollars uh, laptops that I bought at Micro Center, um, and they're the family computers really more than anything. Um, so what I would buy is a as high end as I could get um, laptop with uh, you know uh, multi terabyte SSDs um, you know uh, multi quad core i sevens or or whatever whatever the 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 best technology is at the time um, and I wouldn't worry about screen size I would have it in a dock with a monitor and a mouse and and uh, Ethernet port so that it, when I wanted that experience I could have it but it would be the 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 hub of the family's computing that could go anywhere. So that's what I would do. Uh, Budget-wise, I would still uh, go PC, but I would not buy uh, build my own anymore. I'm over that now. Really? Um, I used to be all about buy, uh, building. Now my time, I feel, is worth more than, than the few dollars you save because you're not saving money. You can't no. buy components cheaper than you can buy a PC anymore. It used I to be true. It is no longer true. I will agree with you. It is cheaper to buy a, a from a manufacturer pre-built. Yeah. So I would buy. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Asus uh, computers uh, in yep. general. Um, I would buy their whatever their their tower is that is in my price range, most likely. Um, most recently, when I had that opportunity to buy, I had a budget. I needed to buy something. The rig that I'm talking to you now on, I bought an Intel Nook. Um, for. 350 or so uh in a couple of 24 inch monitors so that's that's what i'm talking to you on it's an i5 processor with uh i think i put 32 gigs of ram maybe 16 uh, uh and it's a it's a little fine little machine it's fine it's great uh it, the days of the tower you just don't need them anymore uh, geeks still like to show off with them but you don't need them anymore um, and so that's, that's what I would do. Maybe not the nook again, because, um, there is no expandability or very limited expandability, but I would go small form factor PC if I was on a budget. Yeah. I could see that too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, if I could see it, if you needed a desktop or a, a startup from zero place, I could totally understand doing a, a small form factor or even just, uh, a Raspberry Pi even. For with a attached to a monitor, 
yeah that's that's the laptop that you that your employer uh paid for their ceo 10 years ago that's the raspberry pi today yeah <laughs> yep um so and, uh so buy uh, chris would build i would buy seth would go straight up mass market yeah. that that a good summer summarization but you also got to remember our use cases are so yeah. far apart which is why i think we're a good uh cross-section to ask that question yeah um i need something uh i i i don't want and i do not allow my kids to have full unfettered access to the world outside of my vision um, so when they need to use a computer, they come downstairs and do it. They have their tablets and that gives them a lot, Yeah. but it's still, uh, they're, they're, they're filtered through our home internet. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but still for full, full access and maybe I'm fooling myself. Maybe they have full access with the tablets as much as possible. Uh, but I just think, and it's not because I don't trust them. It's because I need to be able to, to take advantage of those teachable moments yeah. Uh, and if they're upstairs locked in their room, uh, they, they'll have those teachable moments with no teacher present. Um, Your kids are also younger. Well, my oldest is 13. My youngest is seven. The middle one's 11. So yeah. I, I officially have a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> see, I've, my kid, my, my oldest is a few years older. I've already had those teaching moments. So for him, I don't have as much of a problem having him to have somewhat unfettered access. Um, I still have, uh, open DNS blocking the the garbage of the internet, but he still gets to things that he's not supposed to, and I know he does. And we occasionally have those audit moments where I sit in front of his computer and be like, "All right, let's uh show me what you do every day." You know, you go through his history. Yep. Which so, uh, leads us right into the next thing, or one of the other things on our list is firewall slash content filters. You 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 uh, read straight into that. The Boris Box episode welcome. is still one of our more uh, popular episodes, uh, and I think any any reasonable person, whether you're a parent or not, likes to have some sort of filtering uh, on the internet. For me, I, I mean, I want to filter the internet for me. Yeah. Not just my kids. There's garbage out there that I don't want to be exposed to. Um, now I keep the filters pretty loose. But they're still out there because I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to walk into kitty porn. To we always yep. go straight to the the worst possible. Kitty porn is like the Nazis of the of the content <laughs> filtering. Um, that's blocked. I never get the opportunity to see that. Um, I hope anyway, and, and I haven't stumbled into it yet. Back in the early uh, wild wild west days, you know, ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, when broadband was just coming into its own, it was way easier to just stumble into, you yep. know, something that. You know, how do you gouge out your mind's eye, uh, kind of things. <laughs> and I've had those kind of experiences and, uh, I didn't always close the browser as quickly as I should have. Um, you know, just yeah. being honest with you there. And so the, a content filter for me as a man of principle is as much a, a check on my own morality as it is on my kids. Um, because there, there's some, some hallways there I might go down if the doors open. So I intentionally close the doors on myself. Oh, yeah. Okay, so having said that, uh, content filter. Another thing that we've talked about often, uh, I've kind of put them two to, the two together: firewall, content filter, routers. Uh, they're all the sort of thing. But right now, I just want to focus on pure, just content filtering. Uh, Seth, single man, no kids. Uh, do you have any kind of filtering on your internet? Um, just some of those. I went a little bit beyond the default on the uh, ASUS router I bought, but. And, you know, I mean, I have an untangled 
if I need to hook it up, I can, but for the most part, no, I, I rely on myself and my parents' ignorance um, to protect. So you're, you're basically uh, security blocking based on uh, using the settings on the firewall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's more, it's more, yeah. And, and I've trained my dad to, if he doesn't know something, he won't do it. So, you know, he doesn't go looking for stuff. Um, if it's not something I've explicitly showed him how to do and, you know, anyway, so yeah, yeah, I don't do much. I I don't mean to be insulting or degrading, but, uh, children and, and grandparents are really, on the same end of the spectrum when it comes to that sort of stuff. Yep, they're um, in a similar spot. They're in terms of security. They're both they're equally as ignorant about the things that can get them into trouble. Now yep. the the grandparent knows more about the the content, the 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 things that we might find objectionable uh, than the child. But the when you know Seth Seth's experience with his parents and my experience with my kids are very similar in terms of protecting them from their yep. ignorance. Um, yep. and I don't mean that to be an insulting thing. It just is, you know, they're, they're not native to this stuff at all. Yeah. Cause my dad used to repair, um, communications equipment. You know, he, he started back whenever like people who built the linemen's, you don't see them anymore, but if you think back to your childhood and you're our age, those, um, those telegraph poles that were beside every railroad track mile that was laid you know my dad helped do those all the way up through com- uh, communications equipment in the military you know he had some top secret level clearance and so he knew but now he doesn't know anything because the stuff that was top secret you know 30 years ago is now you know makes the raspberry pi look like the greatest technology ever so he he what he knows is useless in today's world and so he really it's not that he doesn't know anything but functionally today he doesn't know anything yeah so on yeah. on my particular setup uh, with you know kids that ran, run the range uh i have uh open dns set up and uh, also uh some um, ddwrt stuff on my um firewall so that that handles the basics of security and open dns is really it's fairly uh, permissive i have it blocking obvious porn stuff i have it blocking obvious hate speech um you know there's there's like 70 categories i made that number up uh and i've got maybe six of them checked um because i still believe that the the best thing there is to is to be a parent and not to let the technology do it and also my 13 year old has a phone she can turn off wi-fi Yep. And have full unfettered access. So if I have not prepared her for that, um, if I've only let her play in the walled garden, then then I have done her a disservice. And Chris, like you said, you sit down with your son uh, uh, periodically. I will just tell my daughter, "Give me your phone." Yep. Um, and she says, "Why?" I said, "Because I'm going to look at, I'm going to read all your text messages, and I'm going to look at your thing." And she said, "Okay," because that was the deal early on when I first gave it yep. to her. This is not your device. This is my device. I own it. I'm letting you use it. Um, and I will monitor everything you do. And, and I, you know, um, uh, she used Google Hangouts. So, uh, I have her Google stuff. I can read her email. I can see her chats, uh, stuff. Uh, and she knows that. And I do it. I don't do it surreptitiously. I don't sneak behind her. I do it in front of her. I, I, I make her log in, uh, or I log in because I know her passwords. Um, and, and the, there are a couple of times she changed her password. Well, I'm an admin on the, on the Google apps account. I change it back and she has to come to me and say, dad, what's my password now? Um, and then we have a discussion <laughs> about, well, why did you change that? Um, so 
having get get the morality aside uh, a lot of times that there are really only two reasons that you would filter content security and morality yep we talked about security uh everybody has to have some base level of security it's just wise uh and then you you let your own morals decide what kind of morality filters you want to have and so i keep mine relatively loose and then i parent i, I know that's novel but that's the way i handle it so uh open dns free service rock solid still good uh and and the uh the firewall inside that's as strong as i go chris what about you so i have a very similar setup uh we i have open dns for everybody everybody in the house um anybody that connects to my wireless is going to go through the open dns settings and i have seven of the general categories and then a handful of manual blocks that weren't covered by open dns um from experience from the school district before, uh, there were things that OpenDNS wasn't catching, so I manually blocked them. Uh, obviously, the security is all turned up on my my OpenDNS, and, and then I have my Open OpenSense router software that is doing. Uh, I don't have any of the filtering turned on for OpenSense uh, because the OpenDNS stuff is doing enough. Uh, but I, I think I'm going to end up probably going in there and tinkering with the quality of service settings because it seems to be a little out of whack. Yeah, and if uh, if you needed something more full-featured, Seth has already mentioned it, Untangle. Um, I think we all agree that's the favorite of the panel. Um, it is a full-on uh, device. It can be uh, it can be whatever you want. It can be your solid endpoint. It can be your firewall and your your router and all of that. It can be a content filter. It can be an add-on um, on the other side. That's how I typically have run Untangle in the past. Is I have a router, I have Untangle in front of the router, between the router and and the home network in bridge. Um, and it is uh it is free you get a lot of stuff for free you can pay for more um it's enterprise grade used in enterprises uh so that is the hands down recommendation of if you need more but as you see the three of us don't we don't do more right the only thing that i use my opensense router uh, instead of the only reason i use opensense over untangle is it's a little more geeky driven and i can tune it a little better um, I also get some of the, what is uh, in Untangled's world as a paid product, I can use as a free product in OpenSense. So like, uh, I do caching of soft, of sites. So when my daughter watches the same YouTube video 300 times in a month, in a day, I'm only paying for that bandwidth to come into me once. Yep. Yeah, uh, for, for that, uh, Untangle, again, it does make you pay for that. Um, Dan's Guardian. Is an excellent tool out there. Uh, you for can filtering. download uh, for for filtering and caching. Uh, it's built on Squid, so it, yep. ha- it, it caching is built right in. Uh, Smoothwall is the software that you can download and turn any any computer into a firewall. It's available um, for free. Dan's Guardian is a paid product that is available for free to individuals, uh, and you don't have to prove anything. You don't have to do any serial numbers. They just trust. Yeah, um, it's an it's an amazing thing. They're actually making money off of trusting humans, um, and it's a Most it's subversive a, people. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> solid product. Um, it's it's where I went uh, for home back when I had that. Uh, uh, I don't use that anymore. <coughs> I used to use D, uh, uh, Open DNS, Dan's Guardian uh, uh, combination when my 
my beloved Boris box died, that my Dan's Guardian installation went with it, and I just I decided to be more proactive as a parent and less reactive uh, in terms of technology. But another excellent source that doesn't cost anything, assuming you've got a box laying around, and most people listening to the show will. Yeah, and I I will definitely say that if if you need, if you're willing to spend the time to learn these other routing software. Not only will you gain the benefits of caching and filtering and all the other extra bells and whistles, you also end up with a faster performing network. Um, True. I don't know how many times that uh, I've I've actually melted a router because of the how much I was pulling through it for because it overheated. Uh, since I've moved to a standalone router that I've built with OpenSense, I've never had any problems with traffic so when all of us are streaming something to all the different devices in the house we all have a nice uh, a nice interface or not interface but experience we don't have as much buffering problems uh, it, it's just a great thing if you're having issues with buffers you know you, you your netflix is buffering out or youtube is buffering out it might be that router that you bought four year five years ago that is just at the end of its life and you need to replace it uh, if you have the hardware laying around, try it. The worst you're going to do is find out that, oh, it didn't change my problems. Yeah. And and don't go to Best Buy and buy the blue one. Just don't. Uh, <laughs> if you're uh, Seth, it would work for Seth, three users in a house. Any yep. more than that, you just can't. You can't use that. You need a more powerful device. And actually, no, it really <laughs> doesn't. It didn't work. I went out and I spent. I ended up getting about a $200 um, Asus with the four big antennas, you yep. know, and doing that. So um, it really would work if there's one person. But if you have more than one person, it the low end thing doesn't. I mean, it works. It doesn't work well. Right. I, I spent about 300 on mine for yep. uh, three people using 12 devices, uh, it, you know, and it doesn't always handled it i really should have gone more um you know I, I used to say that whatever you would buy in terms of routers was more than you need that's back when the average internet speed was two three four megabits uh but now when you're pulling you know 100 megabits down your fios or you know when slow internet is is considered five megabits um you just you just need more than that if you're going to have uh two netflix hd streams running you can't do that on a little Linksys box. You just can't, uh, not successfully. So right. I, I would love to go into more on the hardware, but uh, I'm going to tease you with that. Uh, we we did three of the eight topics that we wanted to talk about. Uh, so we're going to pick up next time with um, how to get the most out of your home network. Hint, uh, a single Wi-Fi router up in the base, uh, in the, the office isn't going to do it. You, you need more. Yep. Um, uh, even for, you know, for a handful of users. Uh, most people have more devices than they have people in their house. That's the standard now. Yep. Uh, you have, you know, when you count the Roku and the desktop computer and the laptop computers and the two phones uh, at least and the two or three tablets at least. Um, so, you know, for four people in a house, you're going to have six, eight devices. Um, we're still, however, purchasing devices designed for the one desktop computer in the office. And that's what people are still selling. And that's what we're still buying. And we complain that Netflix doesn't work. It's not Netflix's fault a good percentage of the time. It truly yeah. isn't. Yeah. We'll talk a lot, uh, much yeah. more in depth on that in a future show. Yeah. 
to be continued. Also, hint, putting two things in the same room, bad idea. Um, it's something I learned in my world of, of networking. Um, too much is, is not better. It's worse. Um, so, all right. Good stuff, guys. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we exhausted three topics, and we got more to go. Always leave them wanting more, I always say. There but, Seth, go. what I want right now is more This Week in History. Okay. Well, This Week in History, um, this happened April the 18th, 1986. Newspapers report that IBM had become the first computer manufacturer to use a megabit chip, a memory chip capable of storing 1 million bits of information in a commercial product. It's Model 3090. The announcements was heralded as a notable triumph for American computer makers who work, whose work had been perceived as falling behind that of Japanese um, electronics industry. So that happened this week in history, USA, USA. (laughs) But, you know, now we've outsourced everything and we don't produce anything in America anymore. So, you know, it was a good while lasted, guys. I remember my father-in-law reading his Scientific American uh, magazine when I walked over. He wasn't even my father-in-law yet. He was my girlfriend's dad. Um, And he was telling me about this new lithium technology that was being invented that would let you store up to a gigabyte on a chip the size of a a postage stamp. And he said, it's still in the lab right now. It's not anywhere near uh, uh, commercial. But isn't that amazing that we'll be able to store a gigabyte on something the size of a postage note? And I said, wow. amazing times we live in (laughs) yep and now we're getting to the point where we'll be storing you know the library of congress in a you know light chip the glass chip thing that right well that people use library of congress any every one of us everybody listening to this owns a usb stick that could store the text contents of the library of congress right now it's not much i was talking about the video part of it right because that was a really interesting. Did you guys read that story? Not to change the subject at all, but that was yeah. a really interesting story about. We talked about it on the show. Clearly, yeah, you don't listen to it. Oh no, I I listened to it. <laughs> That's my point. How how far into that did you read? Because I read a couple of more links after that that they were saying that 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 technology is going to be here pretty soon. Yeah, I'm, I don't. I mean, it's been a few weeks ago, but yeah, we talked about that. I, I'm looking I forward to show. it. It could. It yeah, could revolutionize the industry. Woohoo! Yeah, you know we we've been saying for years that we've got to we've got to somehow move from the two D world to the three D world, and we we kind of do that now with perpendicular bits, but not really. Uh, and so, yeah, the the glass is is really sort of a five D uh, situation, um, kind of that's oversimplified. Uh, I, I've said all along that Moore's law is going to continue; it's just not going to be processors that'll get us there so transistors transistors have we've reached the limit of moore's law with transistors now we just need to find something else and we will um and you know crystals has been one of the things that we've uh uh, theorized about for a long time uh chemical computers quantum computers uh they're all in the in the lab right now the next uh you know uh, steve jobs and steve wozniak are in a garage somewhere right now uh and we won't know anything about it until they change the world and i look forward to that but will they change the world or will they will they half bleep do a product and then sell out to an IPO and well, get bought true. up by they Netflix? Are, they are or millennials. Something. So <laughs> And those are our heroes now. They, our heroes are the people who who build a company, sell it, and then never actually release a product. Um, you know, Twitter that's never been profitable. Uh they're heroes. Yeah. yeah that's a problem. No, what was profitable is what was it, WhatsApp or WhatsChat that got yeah, sixteen. 16- 
billion dollars or something stupid. Um, a ridiculous amount of money. But anyway, I digress and I rant and I am just mad at the world. <laughs> uh, so uh, Seth has put in the things to talk about next week. The Burr-Feinstein encryption bill uh, has made it out of committee and it's actually a real thing. Um, that deserves some discussion. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but for now, Seth, what do you have to lower my productivity, thus making you look like a better hiring option? This has the potential to kill your productivity. This is, um, it's a dumb calculator. Um, the link says best calculator ever, <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's stupid in what it does. So <laughs> you, and there's a disclaimer at the bottom, but you, you go to this and then you click on the link or you click on the button. And um, it tells you something, so <laughs> check it out. We're not responsible for your grades. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh. but the website is Dumb Calculator. It has the name applies. It's a dumb calculator. Um, but give it a try. You know, um, show off at your friends. Uh, start up a conversation with that person you want to meet. Hey, you want to see this bad website? And uh, it's it's go. amazing. It's diversity. Every click is a new adventure. Oh my god, it sure is. Okay. Um I got I got nothing. Moving on. This See, is the part I of the killed show. your productivity. <laughs> this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. Uh did we half answer your questions? Did we not even talk about something you you wanted to do? Do you have uh something to rant about? Was I too mean to Chris this episode? Aww. Let us know by going over to elementop.com, click the contact us button at the top of the page. That sends a nicely formatted email into my inbox after you answer the world's hardest captcha. Um if you don't want to do that, if you want to send an email, fire up Mutt uh, on your VT100 uh, terminal insulator uh, emulator and uh, uh, send an email to geekrant at elementop.com. That goes to all three of us. Uh, and, uh, and lest you think that I am filtering the emails, which I do. Um, or you can, if you want your voice to be heard right alongside ours, ours, you could call 559-IMOP, leave a voicemail on our Google voice line, and we'll play it on the show. We love hearing from you, good, bad, or indifferent. Actually, the indifferent ones we can do without. I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent about those. But we love hearing from you. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us, Chris, Seth. As always, thank you for being the best host I can afford for free. And uh, we'll see you next week, because that ends this episode of The Geek Rants.